Monado Vibes, whoever you are, this is Schwa Wars. My name's Adam Hayes, and I'm joined by the king of the Schwa Wars fantasy draft right now. And I'm contractually obligated to call him that because, quite frankly, he is just obliterating seven other competitors. He's the right hand of the podcast, Mr. Jordan Lloyd. Jordan, how are you? Nobody can stop me. <laughs> yeah, well, because after this weekend that transpired, uh, you are doing quite well in the draft. Uh, with at least a 30-40 point lead over second place. Um, of course, we're going to be doing our amazing Nuke episode where the rosters are going to be reset for those eight individuals and they have to repick for their teams for the end of June. So stay tuned for that episode in the coming future. But right now, we are talking all about this double review. Two shows appearing at the exact same time. Not the exact same place, but at the exact same date. For NXT Battleground and AEW Double or Nothing. Now, Jordan, before we get into the review, really quick question. Um, do you think it is smart for both companies at this point to be doing this when they know that the audience is lower than ever when it comes to professional wrestling fans? No. All right, well, that was easy <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, why, why would that be a smart thing to do? You split your audience. You split a potentially attendance. Especially if you're near the same, especially if you operate two shows in the same city, which has happened sometimes before. Like, it's stupid. Why do that? Just put them on different days. Well, regardless, it, it forced our viewing habits to change over the last 24 hours. We've been able to watch both of these shows. And Cause, well, yeah, because like I'll put it this way. Diehard wrestling fans like us, we yeah. will watch both no matter what. Because we're dumb. Casual fans who, they may like wrestling, but they may not like wrestling enough to like absorb countless amounts of hours of it in one weekend, they're not going to watch both. They're only going to pick one or the other. And whichever one looks more appealing, they will choose. Well, if you didn't get a chance to watch one of them, you can listen to this review. We'll tell you how it went and the matches you should go back and watch. And overall, we'll give our opinion of which had the better show uh, during that night. Of course, we're not going to be talking about Night of Champions. It happened. It was grand. Bloodline stuff happened. Yada, yada, yada. And Rhea Ripley's awesome. Yes. And, and kill and kill Natty in 48 seconds. <laughs> but that's besides the point. That's all you missed from Night of Champions. We're actually going to be getting now with our first review for NXT Battleground. Of course, uh, this event took place from Beantown in, uh, well, it wasn't in Boston, but it was in Lowell, Massachusetts. Um, of course, this was the, actually the home state of the current NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes. Uh, what were your thoughts go leading up to this pay-per-view were you actually looking forward to it, Jordan, or was it just like another run-of-the-mill NXT show? Or was it difficult because with two shows having back-to-back, -back, you couldn't get excited for one over the other? Uh, I can't say I was really looking forward to this one because for most of the month, I didn't really even know what was on this card. They didn't really start finalizing it until like the last couple weeks. Yeah, especially too, by the way, I'll, I'll piggyback off that. When you know you're going to be going to a foreign market that you're gotta promote and stuff like that and you gotta sell tickets for do your fucking job and like book the matches well in advance so that way people can get excited for it and you can build better TV for it and stuff not just like oh well we have the building here's three quarters of our car like a week before the pay-per-view yeah pretty much like the finals of the NXT women's title match we didn't know until Tuesday four or five days before the show was supposed to happen well Let's take it off with our very first matchup. It was a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship. It was Joe Gacy and Tyler Bate challenging the current NXT 
champion or NXT North American champion Wesley. This match went 11 minutes and 59 seconds. Overall, fun triple threat match. I mean, nothing that you can really harp about. I mean, of course, they were playing off the whole Tyler Bate, Wesley. Are they going to, you know, turn on their friendship and just really go ham at each other, which is what Gacy was trying to get the entire match to, you know, be able to slip by with the victory. But ultimately, Wesley we, once again retains the North American Championship. We've seen we've seen this story before, so yeah. it's not it's nothing new. It's it was three, a f- three young talented guys. Fun opener could, too. Yeah, it was fun. You could do some creative spots for a triple threat, which is sometimes hard to do because like everything under the sun has been done in a triple threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was fun. wasn't bad. wasn't long. Didn't drag. Right guy won. Right guy won. Besides the fact that's good for you. I don't have him on my team anymore. Oh, okay, never mind. No, but the right guy won. Like, it's not time for Joe Gacy to be a champion. And Tyler Bate on Tyler Bate, honestly, he didn't really need a belt right now. No. With him doing his guru thing and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, next matchup of the card, it was a British Rounds Rules match for the NXT Heritage Cup Championship. Current champion Noam Dar um, going against Dragon Lee. And, of course, um, if you've never seen a British Rules matchup, very fun. I really prefer, uh, really like it. I like having the idea of the rounds. I like having enforced, you know, things when it comes to the rules and stuff like that. When it comes to pinfalls and the the time limits and getting people involved and stuff like that. And you know, the match ending, you know, either by knockout or disqualification or you know, different variations of ways that you can be able to win and you don't have to go all of the six rounds. Uh, ultimately, though, it saw Noam Dar being able to retain his championship due to an interference because of Lash Legend uh, using the spit bucket and whacking Dragon Lee in the back for Noam Dar to uh, eventually get the fall that he needed to and pick up the victory. Your thoughts? No, it wasn't just her. It was that other girl that hangs around with her whose yep. name is escaping me and Orno Mensa, who is his corner man. Right. So, like, Noam Dar's got, like, an entourage now. I made the joke while it was on. I'm like, isn't it funny that, like, three, four years ago, Noam Dar was the guy who was probably on the cusp of getting fired, who was, like, pining after Alicia Fox that no one cared about? That, like, now he went, he went over to NXT UK because they needed bodies over there, and he actually like, found something he could run with that he's now brought over here, and he's still here after all these years? Yep. Um... I like the rules, too. I don't know how well they're going to catch on with an American audience that obviously worked over in the UK. Well, that's because it's British rules, yes. But they're creative enough rules, but like I'm interested to see like how they can like play with these going forward and make these matches different so they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. Next matchup on the card was a last-man-standing match between Ilya Dragunov taking on Dijak. Uh, these two had been having some cinematic promos and other... You know, occurrences with each other on NXT over the last several weeks, ultimately leading to this last man standing match. It went 15 minutes, 54 seconds. Uh, both men just beat the fuck out of each other in this matchup, as you would expect them to. Uh, Dragunov getting a disgusting cut underneath his chin at one point, uh, which the referee obviously had to take care of, which bit of a dull in the in the momentum of the matchup at that point. But I mean, they still picked it up rather hard with some things they did. Uh, Dragunov tying himself in the ropes, sort of. And uh, getting Kindo stick to hell by Dijak and bruising up his hand and his arm from the welts on there. a huge welt on his left forearm. And uh, ultimately it ended with Dragunov hitting that huge leaping forearm off of steps, 
driving to dragon uh driving Dijak's face rather face first into a steel chair which knocked him out for the 10 count uh I'll just say it now this was match of the night here for NXT um I'm a huge fan of Ilya Dragunov Dijak even back from the Donovan Dijakovic days of ROH I've always been a big fan of his as well uh, you knew these two were going to be able to bring it and we're going to talk about a little bit more with the AEW review but you believe that these two actually have a legitimate issue with each other and they knew they had to go as hard as they possibly could to push that stipulation of last man standing over. Your thoughts? Well, this is also an example, too, of where less, less being more actually works in their favor as opposed to another match from the AEW show that was so convoluted and had all these over-the-top weapons and all these all these wacky things that you would that people who are supposed to have a personal issue would try to use against each other. This they use weapons, but they use them effectively and they use them brutally to a point where you didn't need a lot and what they used was enough. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was one of the only matches and also moments of the entire and card that like actually woke up the crowd. It did. And also like you said too, like you you believe that these two had a personal issue that they were legitimately trying to hurt each other. Because they legitimately hurt each other. Because they legitimately hurt each other, and you also didn't need like the gratuitous, over-the-top violence like you'll see in like AEW with thumbtacks and everybody blading every which way and whatnot. This, they had the battle scars of the match, and that was all they needed. Right. Uh, Next matchup on the card, it was for the NXT Tag Team Championship. It was the team of Gallus, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang, of course, accompanied by Joe Coffey. Taking on the Creed Brothers, uh, Brutus and Julius, uh, accompanied by Ivy Nile. This match went 9 minutes 33 seconds. Honestly, it felt a whole lot longer. It did feel longer. And, uh, Which isn't a good thing. And you know what? I like both these teams. They've had great matches in the past, not only with each other, but just with others as well. They, you know, I don't know if it was just because the chemistry was off or being able to have follow they, such a match like they did before. With that, and they did the best they could with a match that was already cold to begin with. Well, regard- like there really wasn't much behind this. This was honestly kind of just like a filler. Well, regardless of the fact, it was uh, the Rock's daughter came out at one point and uh, interfered to the point where Ivy Nile took a post shot, which caused the distraction and for Gallus to take advantage and ultimately for them to retain their NXT Tag Team Championship match. Again, I like both teams. I have no issues with both of them. I can see big things, especially when it comes to um, with Julius Creed in the future, but. Needless to say, I was kind of just kind of zoned out and checked out a little bit during this matchup. But again, well, this was another one. This was another case of where they just they announced this match like a week or two weeks out from the show, mm-hmm. and like it had nothing behind it. There was nothing there. So like, it, if you if, if you don't care enough to announce this match that far in advance, you're kind of telling your audience they don't need to really care about this either. Um, also, too, I just want to point out for this entire card, the whole pay per view for this. NXT went about two and a half hours, like almost to a T. There were so many of these like video packages in between each matchup that were just like for main roster guys or you know just whatever. People we already seen. And just you know eating up time, eating up time on the show. If they legitimately did not have those on the card, this entire show probably would have went an hour and forty five minutes, maybe even probably. And that's just insane to me. The fact that like a wrestling card can be that short and have that much stuff in it. We will get to the other product later when it comes to timing. But be that as it may, speaking of time, this next matchup was the longest match on the card. It went 16 minutes and one seconds. It was the tournament finals for the vacant NXT Women's Championship. Now, of course, 
Um, it was Roxanne Perez that you know was the champion, and then she wasn't the champion, and then they had to relinquish the title, and then they did something with um, Indy Hartwell, who won the ladder match, and then she got drafted, got drafted, and then that title got released again, and they you know ultimately did another tournaments because wrestling loves tournaments lately. Um, to crown the next champion, which ended with Tiffany Stratton defeating Lyra Valkyria by, you know, pinfall. by pinfall and straight up in a sense, just not even heelish way. It just kind of took advantage of a situation like any athlete would. So, and then ultimately became your new NXT Women's Champion. Your thoughts? I mean, the match was fine. I like Lyra. I, when she debuted, I said she was going to be something special because she's, she's got like intensity. She's got explosiveness. She's got she's got a presence, right? This she was kind of handicapped a little bit because she had to sell a a, a knee injury Wait. that like really shouldn't even be a knee injury but, from like two weeks ago. But she did a great job, especially for the things throughout the matchup. She did, but if she was gonna have to go into this selling a knee injury, what what happened to her knee when Cora Jade hit her with the kendo should have been a lot worse. If it was if the residual effects of it were gonna be felt two weeks later. Right. It was just one kendo stick shot, and then she has, has a bad knee, which is kind of weak. Um, Tiffany Stratton being the champion, I mean, it works. She's been there for a while, so like I figured this was going to be her night. Maybe now that she'll be featured more prominently on the show in a high-profile spot, she can get some more time to learn and get some more time to perfect things, especially like promos, because you said what you were watching the video package for that you just don't believe anything she really says I don't it just seems like she's playing a character and that's not really her no which I can see and I, I to an extent I agree with too so like maybe now she can actually start to hone that character a little bit so it can actually become more of her instead of playing a character and that's fair like it takes you know, a little bit of time but it just feels like she was given the role of like this you know bombshell beauty queen kind of girl with like all this money and all this fame the typical like I'm better than you woman character that you see on a lot of these shows and it was mostly just based on looks and the fact that can she she can do a damn good moonsault other than that that's it everything else i really don't believe in her when it comes to her either her work or the fact that um when she talks she needs to sell she needs to sell a little bit more too like she she hit that moonsault twice and didn't really register it at all but she missed it the first time right and then immediately just stood back up and the match kept going. She didn't even really register the fact that she just missed the moonsault. What do you see for the future now of the NXT Women's Division? Because right now, it's a little bit in shambles, but it's a little bit not. Like, we don't really... It's almost kind of like the NXT main championship. We really don't know who's next in line. Who well, We know who's deserving of being the next challenger or you know, a, well, whatever. Based on whatever happens with this weaponized cage that's coming up... Which will be airing tonight. But you, yes, tonight with between Gigi Dolan and J.C. Jane, I can see whoever wins that being the next challenger. Which it would I have to do that for it to make sense. It would have to be Gigi Dolan. Okay. Because heel versus heel doesn't make sense what? for a main title feud. Well, anything else with that or? I mean, Roxanne Perez was on was in a good spot recently, but like she's kind of seems like she's fallen out of favor over the last few weeks. So like I don't really know what's going on with her. Hey, wrestlers come and tight and go and tight. I mean, she's, oh and. Come and go like the tide. Fuck, that was hard to say. I mean, she's 21, <laughs> so it's not like there's a rush to do anything. And, like, when we were watching the package leading up to the people in the tournament, like, she's done a lot in the short time she's been there. So, I mean, right. she doesn't need to be on top all the time. Um, 
I don't know, Gigi Dolan would make a whole lot of sense. Maybe also, too, whoever the mystery attacker is that said they're going to reveal themselves tonight will play a factor in what's going to happen next. Yeah, who knows about that. But the next matchup on the card, main event time, uh, it went 14 minutes, 14 seconds for the NXT Championship. Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams, of course, as we said before, in his home state, kind of a you know coming home story over the last week of him doing different things and whatnot. Taking on Braun Breaker, turned heel, obviously, after losing his championship and showing a demeanor. Coming up with a really stupid fucking mask. He looked dumb. <laughs> it looked like a spirit Halloween mask. It looks so stupid. It's just like, hey, I found this in the back, and they're like, all right. And they just, you know, they kind of just went with it. Um, I'll say it. These guys don't really have chemistry for me. They don't. Which is a shame, because they've been building this up. Oh, it's like three years in the making of these guys, and, you know, ever since 2.0 started for NXT, and, like, these are the guys, or whatever. It's like they're, their version of their Rock and Austin, almost, in a sense, of how they were kind of building um, with the first match. No, they don't. They're they did. They're, they're, are you kidding no, 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 not that. I'm saying I was agreeing with the fact that they don't oh. have chemistry. Their styles don't. Their styles don't mesh well. Well, yeah. In, in the first it's, matchup, I'm like, okay, it was fine. It was an all right match, but it wasn't anything like, you know, breathtaking or anything like legendary, like they were trying to build it up to. Which is what happens sometimes when you give so much pizzazz and whatever with like the first time meeting of people, and sometimes it just doesn't click. I mean. You know, who knows? They, they're still both young in their careers. They have that opportunity to be able to work towards that and, you know, refine that and get better it's like as you, they hit the main roster. If you watch this, like, it never really seems like it gets out of third gear. I, great. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what that's what it is. Like, it feels like there was, there was never a crescendo that it hit. I even said the finish was, like, really flat. Now, do you take that also, too, because Braun is a brand new heel, doesn't know how to work it because he's so young in the system? Or just Carmelo Hayes being able to go from that pompous, arrogant guy now going baby. Do you think that maybe this would have just worked if it was the Carmelo heel of old versus the brawn of face of old? No, I don't know. because I, I can't say yes because the first match was that and it was kind of the same thing. Was it though? Because it felt like Carmelo was a baby at the... Going into well, that because it was like face versus face because they were building to this like ultimate. Well, I mean, he cheated. The Hogan, win. Hogan versus War. I know it's still stupid that he did that, <laughs> but they built it like a Hogan versus Warrior scenario. I mean, sure, but like the first match was kind of like that too, and they they it was the same thing. Like it never really felt like it got out of third gear. So I don't know. Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes two guys just don't mesh well together. All right. You can have like a you can have a, a a passable match, but like you you can't you can't have a classic with everybody. No, you that's can't. Just, that's just what happens. Some people you just can't do it with. So overall, there was really one sick spot though where he got speared out of midair when he did that springboard off the second rope because yeah. he normally comes back with the clothesline Carmelo Hayes does, and he got speared out of midair at the last possible second. Yeah, see, that was one of the only things that woke up the crowd and us. During that matchup, which is a shame because, again, you're fighting in your home state and you've been building it for so much. But, nevertheless, um, what would you overall give this You know, card? Was it a pass-fail scenario for you? Uh, obviously, we agreed last man standing was the match of the night. What was the it's weakest? A, it's a, what, what would be the weakest match of the night, then? And what would you overall give this card? Uh, the weakest match, I probably would say, would be that tag title. The NXT <coughs> tag title match. Fair. <clears throat> and overall, I'd say like, this was a good show. It was a fine show. I'd probably say like a B plus. Okay. It definitely wasn't one of their better ones. Like it, this would be one you probably will forget about in a year. But like a year. 
Well, give, maybe me, give, me a, give me a month and a half oh, off. Okay. That, that would maybe be generous. Maybe in a few months you'll probably forget this one happened, but like I'd say a B plus. So yeah. B plus is fair. You're being generous. I'm going to give this a C. Um, <laughs> I thought it was just an all right show. There was one match that saved it. Everything else in the show was kind of eh for me. Um, but nevertheless, that is our review for NXT Battleground. After this quick commercial break, we're going to be on the other side talking AEW, double or nothing. Just, just wait. Just stay there. Shut up. <laughs> this podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Hey guys, this is Gilmy from the OIW Podcast Network. I am the pod father, and you, well, you know what? Kind of digging that in name now. But what I do want to talk to you guys about right now, real quick, is the OIW Podcast Network has very big things coming in 2022. You are going to start seeing us pop up at your local wrestling shows, your comic conventions. We have our own website now, as well as all of our social media posts, which are being actively run right now. I just want to say thank you to listening to all of our shows, guys. Check out the site. Check out those socials. Keep tabs on where Ontario Indie Wrestling is coming from. And... Thanks for just listening to all of all these uh, shows. All right, folks, we're back, and we are here now talking about AEW Double or Nothing, or as I like to call it, what the fuck was that? <laughs> fuck you, Tony Khan. There is so much to complain about this show. I've been trying to hide it in my <laughs> in my voice the whole time. And if you're an AEW diehard, I'm sorry that you paid money for this. Um, if you're a fan of professional wrestling, I'm sorry you had to watch this. I just, oh man. when we If we did worst pay-per-view of the year for our awards at the end of the year, this might be on there. I'm just throwing it out there right now. Um, of course, this was taking place from uh, the T-Mobile Arena in, of course, uh, Nevada, Las Vegas. And, yeah. Jordan? <laughs> like... If there was ever a show that embodied all the worst habits and all the things that are so easy to make fun of AEW for, this was it. And and here's the thing. We're not going into this thinking this is going to be the shits. We wanted to like this. I there was a few that, I, I know, but there was a few matches on this card. I'm like, "Okay, we know what it's going to be." Yes. And there are other matches where, like, this could be surprising. It could be really good. I know. And I, I want to make that clear, too, is that I'm not one of those fans that object, that tries to go into everything hoping it sucks. Because why would I do that to myself? Yeah. Like, there are better things I could do with my time if, I, if I'm going to watch something hoping it's going to be bad. Exactly. I don't, I don't do that. However, when you, when you don't make it really any much easier than you give a shit like this... It's kind of hard not to feel that way. All right, well, let's just let's just dive right into this because there's like 10 fucking matches we got to talk about. Uh, first one was the pre-show. Went 15 minutes, 10 seconds. The Hardys and Hook taking on Ethan Page and the Guns. It happened. The Hardys won. And they now own Ethan Page's contract. Whoopee. <laughs> Pretty much. There's not really anything else you can say about that. That was the pre-show. Moving on. <laughs> first matchup on the main card went 22 minutes, 25 seconds. It was the 21-man Blackjack Battle Royal for the AEW International Championship, or as we like to call it, the Orange Cassidy belt. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll start with this. 
Go ahead. This battle royal went, what was it, 22 minutes? 22-25. Half of the field fought on the floor for about 15 minutes. Oh, that... Mm. <laughs> a battle royal where I get it. There's going to be like the occasional heel on the outside that doesn't want to get in the ring. That was or, half the field. Or like whatever. But like you had baby faces and heel just fighting on the outside because they're like, no, we can't clear... Have that many people in the ring at the same time. Because we all got to get our shit in and people have to see it. Oh my god. Like, I just, whatever. There were people doing moonsaults to the floor. There were people doing spots on the apron, which would make you a fucking idiot because you're putting yourself in danger doing stuff on the apron when someone could just knock you off and eliminate you, which makes no sense. This might have been one of the worst battle royals I've ever seen. I, I was literally about to say, I'm like, I think this is one of the worst battle royals I have ever seen. Yeah, and half the, half the field was just fighting on the floor. Literally, the same four guys fought on the same side of the ring for ten minutes. And like They didn't even move to another side of the ring. And again, going back to our shakeup, that, or uh, our Dustin fantasy trap. Dustin Rhodes Hold was on. on the floor doing this. He should fucking know better. <laughs> I was saying to you before that with our, our game for our fantasy draft... You have Orange Cassidy on your yes. team, and he has been very good for you as a point getter. Yes, but even you were just like, I'm I hate a- Orange Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Orange Cassidy. So, overall, your thoughts on this match before we move on? It was terrible. All right, it was an awful battle royal. Next matchup on the card uh, was the unsanctioned match with Sabu as the guest enforcer. I would like to exactly know what he was enforcing. He didn't enforce anything. He immediately attacked. He immediately attacked the opposing uh, Jer- the Jericho Appreciation Society when he came out there. Yeah. He didn't enforce anything. And then left. Yeah, and then left. Adam Cole had people interfere for him before, after that, and he was just gone. Sabu came out there to splash somebody through a table, throw a chair, and he left. Yes. He did not. He, you could have left him out of this, and you wouldn't have noticed. Well, anyways, it went 17 minutes. It was Adam Cole, as we were saying, taking on Chris Jericho. Uh, in the coming last few weeks, they've been really pushing for this, you know, feud hard between Jericho, of course, attacking Britt Baker, handcuffing but he Cole did. to the rope. But this and, is why this is why this is stupid. He didn't attack Britt Baker. You can tell your voice just boomed up. <laughs> the outcasts attacked Britt Baker. He he handcuffed Adam Cole to the rope, and really, what happened to her wasn't even that fucking bad. She got hit with a kendo stick a couple of times, and she's been on TV ever since. She never disappeared. She never had, like, an injury. They showed her being in blood matches and all this stuff. Yeah, she's, she's been through much worse than the crazy hardcore matches with, like, Thunder Rose and whatnot. Like, having, like, bloody man, like, being a bloody mess and shit. But yet she gets hit with a kendo stick a couple of times, and this is a white-hot personal issue. I get what they were trying to do. I really do, and I applaud them for going like uh, them in their own ways, especially in 2023, trying to go the extra mile to be able to get this over. The fact of the matter is, Cole and Jericho just didn't have chemistry to begin with on the microphone. No. Nor did they have the chemistry in the actual ring. No. Everything that we saw in that last man standing match, the violence, the brutality, the aggression, the believability that we saw in that match should have been in this match. Because of what they gave us with the feud and the angle prior. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, there's a... There, if this was so personal and whatnot, there was a segment later on where Jericho threw a fireball in, like, some rando's face in the back. I'm like, you even said, where was that in the unsanctioned match earlier? Right. Like, he never tried to do that once. Um, they, like, he tried... There was a giant chain with handcuffs, like... There's so much convoluted bullshit in this that like JR at one point is like, oh, I guess we're having a chain match now. Yeah. 
JR was calling people stupid at ringside because they were fighting all over the place, and I think somebody got—I think they might have got hit with a chair at the announce desk. I think so. Um, like so many, so much outsider. Every match on the show, except for I think one, had outside interference. Right. Like you, they be, the matches become interchangeable and like they they blend together after a while because everything is the same. Well, overall, then your thought before we move on. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, they don't have chemistry. A lot of it wasn't believable for what they gave us going into this. I hope it's over. I hope it's over, too, even though I don't think it is. I don't think it is, either. Uh, I'd probably give this, like, a C-, minus, maybe a D. This is the first match you're giving a grade to. Let's, so let's just wait till the end for that one. Next matchup on the card was for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Mark Briscoe, special guest referee. Great use of him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> FTR actually wrestling. They won't be speaking tonight. They will actually We're getting be wrestling. interrupted. We're getting interrupted. They will actually wrestle, defending their tag titles against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett with Karen Sanjay and Satnam Singh. This match went 20 minutes on the dot. You know what? I I didn't mind it. I thought it was fun for what it was. There was there's gonna be a common theme for this show. Run-ins and ref bumps. Cause there were so many of them. Was there, and, wasn't there a ref bump in the unsanctioned match too? Yes. Yeah. And there was a really funny one in this one. Go ahead. Uh, everybody's favorite overacting referee Aubrey got whacked in the face with a guitar, and it was great. And, and she was gone for the rest of the show. Thank, Good. thankfully, yeah. we were waiting for that. And like, if she shows up somehow in the rest of the show, this is horseshit. Karen smacked the shit out of her with a guitar and it was hilarious. I like Karen. Can we just throw that out there I too? I do too. She hasn't been on the program, you know, so we haven't been able to talk since this podcast. She is out. surprisingly good at this job for having never had any intention of ever wanting to do this ever. Uh, ultimately though, FTR wound up getting the victory over Jeff and Lethal. I like Jeff and Lethal as a team. I like them as like, you know, their own little thing. Even Sanjay being a little douchebag around ringside. It's over the top and goofy, but you know what? I can kind of get away with it. Satinum, whatever. I just... really feel like they need to lose the Giant. Yeah. Like, they don't need him. Like, there's there's too much. Now they have Karen. Now they have... Do you need Karen and, San... and Sanjay? And Satinum. Like, you don't need all of that. Like, lose one or two of them. And if you're going to have that many enforcers and people in your corner, you should be winning. Yeah, because it just makes you look like an idiot when you lose and you have that much help at ringside. Well, I was very happy FTR got the win. I'm sure we'll hear from him this Wednesday on Dynamite and then for the next several weeks. <laughs> um, the next matchup on the card is the ladder match for the AEW TNT title. Went 17 minutes and 10 seconds. Wardlow. Oh, Lord. That went 17 minutes? It sure did. Uh, Wardlow defeating Christian Cage. Um, you know what? For a ladder match, it was fine. Like, there's nothing you can be like, they did anything egregious. It was you were saying before during the show. It was nice to have a, a singular one-on-one ladder match where it wasn't a spot fest. Yeah, like there actually was like some thought behind this, and they tried to use some psychology. Wardlow jumping off the ropes at one point, trying to jump onto the ladder, a la Shelton Benjamin, but you know size, strength it of him went right work. through the ladder. Um, yeah, it, it was a fine ladder match. I actually I was kind of surprised on the victory. I was actually thinking Christian was going to win this because you know what? Why not? Have a nice little heel run with that with the TNT title. Uh, and then having your enforcer with, you know, Luchasaurus around ringside. Of course, Arn Anderson getting involved, as he usually does lately. Yeah, but, like, how does this help the babyface, though, that, like, Arn Anderson had to help Wardlow win? He couldn't even do it on his own. Right. I mean, yeah, he had Luchasaurus, Christian had Luchasaurus out there to interfere. But, like, at the same time, the but baby... But he's a heel. 
Yeah, the, you're supposed to do that, but the babyface shouldn't have somebody help them win, especially when you look like Wardlow. That's right. kind of ridiculous, especially if you have like 60, what? How old is Arn Anderson? In the 60s? Oh, I'm sure. Almost 70s? You have 60-year-old Arn Anderson help Wardlow win a match. He didn't pretend to shoot somebody with a gun, though. No, but he bit someone with a very obvious... Oh, yeah, you want to mention, talk about that. With a very obvious blood capsule in his mouth. Our Luchasaurus tried to choke slam him, and the second I saw him put his hand around his throat, and he didn't open his mouth, I'm like, he's got a blood capsule in his mouth. And then he, like, shoved Luchasaurus' thumb in there, who also no-sold the fact that his thumb was bit that hard that he bled. Well, he's a monster. And there was blood everywhere, which looked really goofy. Like, yeah, I don't really know if I agree with the fact that, like, an old man had to help Wardlow win a match. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. That happened. Moving on. Next matchup of the card was the Open House Rules six-man tag team match for the AEW World's Trios title. So many fucking belts. 15 <laughs> minutes and 30 seconds is what it went. House of Black, Malachi, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews, which uh, got a nice uh, Dominic reference a couple of times throughout. Uh, this show. Yeah, it's pretty bad when someone from another company gets a chance during your match. Uh, they took on the acclaimed. They answered the challenge with, of course, Billy Gunn. Um, again, this was actually a fine six-man tag. I really didn't mind it. It was nice seeing Billy Gunn being able to, you know, work as a professional wrestler. Yeah, and, and, and the corner guy. Not just a corner guy having a midlife crisis. And, uh, you know, he, you just forget how big that motherfucker is. Like, I've seen him live and I've met him. And, like, you just you forget about it when he's standing next to guys like Brody King and stuff like that. Yeah, so. he can match Brody King. But, ultimately, it was the House of Black getting the victory, retaining the tag titles, or, sorry, the trios titles, and uh, we'll, we'll see where this leads in the future. Uh, your thoughts? I mean, it was fine. It was what it was. I mean, these trios titles don't really mean much of anything because there's not really... Like, there's no good three-man teams. There's one, and they have the belts right now. Well, see, there's a lot of factions that have three people or more in them, and I think that's what they're... But they're not teams. Like, you can be in a faction, but you're not a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know I don't know where this is going to go in the future, because, like, there's really no good three-man teams other than the Elite, but, like, they're busy. Right. Next matchup of the card was a singles match for the AEW TBS Championship... Jade Cargill defending her title with Layla Gray and Smart Mark Sterling against Ty Valkyrie. This match went 8 minutes and 50 seconds. I generally thought it went 46 minutes and 50 <laughs> seconds. Look, they didn't have chemistry the first time. They damn sure didn't have so chemistry why, the second yeah, time. So why do it again? Um, I like Jade. I think she has a presence. She has a look. She has a natural charisma that is unteachable in this business. But she's not good at, she's not good at in-ring stuff. But she needs to be in there with the right dance partner. And you know what? Taya is a good wrestler. And she is. She just wasn't the right dance partner for her. No, and honestly, you even said too after she lost again that like really if you were her, you should just go to Tony Khan and be like, I quit. Because like she's being misused again. Yeah, all these people that are just being brought in as cannon fodder for her. But no more when it comes to that. Because, of course, Mark Mark got on the microphone. Jay got on the microphone afterwards. Like, we'll defend this title against anybody, anytime. We got our 60-0. Blah, 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 blah. Music hit. Nobody knew who the fuck it was until the graphic came up on the screen. And the returning Chris Statlander came back to AEW after her injury. Uh, and immediately challenged Jade for that said championship. Went 48 seconds. So and new TNT or TBS champion. Chris Statlander. Yeah. So... 
here's what's wrong with this. I almost said Jade Cargo. <laughs> I'm so used to <laughs> saying that for so long. <laughs> so here's what's wrong with this. Here's why it sucked. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all the apologists out there are going to say that, like, this is a brilliant story. They've had this winning streak going this long to get to this moment right here because this is where you're going to make a star. Chris Statlander comes out there. She's got a great look. She's got a good presence. She beat her in, like, what, what did you say, 48 seconds? Correct. Bam. The longest winning streak in this company's over. She's finally lost this belt. Here's the issue. She already had a match beforehand. It doesn't build a star and make you look great when you beat a half-tired heel. heel who's been beat up by someone else for 10 minutes straight already. Just makes you makes you look like a heel. You capitalized on a weakened challenger. They did say anytime, anywhere, but at the same time, it doesn't make you doesn't make it right. It doesn't make you look any better. If anything, she should have came out, did the thing like you know, said anytime, anywhere, and Jade's like, well, yeah, I did, but I already wrestled. Yeah, and at least and build the do suspense this on of that. Di- do this on dynamite, like try to pop a rating or something. But like you, you came in and you capitalized on you picked the bones clean. Like that doesn't make you look great. It doesn't make you look good. That Do, doesn't build a star. Does Jade come back and try again for this title or? I feel she, like you have to. You can't be champion that long and go on that long of a streak and then just accept that you got beat in forty eight seconds. See, I I think she's not going to. I think because of the sixty O, I think she's going to go away now for a bit. Tony's done with his toy. He's going to go back in the box, and uh, you know. Chris Statlander's here, so they're going to do something else with that. That's fine. I mean, that's fine. In fact, I think the Outcasts might actually go now for Chris, and they're going to try and get all of the titles. I mean, that makes sense, but that doesn't mean the fact that Jade comes back, she's not going to immediately go to try to get her title back. Right. When she comes back, I just don't think it'll be any time in the near future. Sure. But she is a, you know, a very polarizing figure that you want in your posters and stuff. Well, because, like, she spent the whole last three years, like, wrestling underneath women. And, like, when you're that green, you need to be wrestling people that are experienced and, like, on the top so you can learn. Well, speaking of the tops, you need to be being held up by something. And that are pillars. And there were four of them in this matchup, according to AEW. And it was the four-way, four-pillars matchup for the AEW World's Heavyweight Championship. MJF defending against Sammy Guevara, Darby Allin, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. This matchup went 27 minutes, 50 seconds. I will say, match the night. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like petty theft compared to everything <laughs> else we've seen at this point. But, again, it it was fine. And that's the thing. I feel like it was fine. But, again, just so much happened. So many spots. So much things that whatever. But, again, it was still the match of the night. But, again, it's it's not saying much when I'm still finding this much issues with it. Overall, though, MJF was able to score the victory once again. You know, may cheating have come at a, may have come at a price. Cheating to win may have come at a price. We don't know yet at this time. I really did like the finish, though, of Darby going for the coffin drop. MJF throws the belt on one of the opponents. That way, uh, Darby smacks the belt at the same time and then picks him up. Headlock takeover. Once again, Reese still telling that story with him. One, two, three. I didn't think he was going to be the guy that got pinned in this matchup. I thought that was going to be Guevara. But that's just my own personal, just like, what the hell? You can't pin the guy who's having a baby now. Yeah, you can. He's on his way. He's not the one having the baby. No, but he's going to be a dad. He's going to be. Yeah. What? Can we talk about that? They wasted like 45 seconds of pay-per-view time to tell us they were going to have a baby. Well, I mean. One of the guys on commentary even was like, it's time to switch to the next cue card. Because he held on the first one for like 30 seconds. Well, you know what it is, too? 
It's like Jungle, and I was saying this too, like Jungle Boy came out, he's like, alright, I'm ready for this main yeah, event. Yeah, Roosh's bitch came out there just as a normal, what, whatever the fuck. Like, somebody who would wrestle in dark, just walked out there minding his own business, yeah. and everybody else had these cool, elaborate entrances. <laughs> Jungle Boy's sitting there watching everybody's thing like, oh, he's announcing he has a baby. Oh, Darby's got like a video package with Elvis Presley. MJF's ascending from the sky on a throne. Yeah, he's like, oh, I missed the memo about getting, you know, production value. <laughs> you know, with my entrance. But whatever. Um, again, I'm happy MJF's still obviously champion. Where do you now go for here with MJF? I don't know. Good talk. I know, right. Honestly, I don't know. Everybody, like, everybody that I would potentially choose is already busy with something that I know is going to continue. We talked about this off-air a few times over the last few weeks. I, I, originally, I originally said maybe one of the guys he didn't beat in that in that four-way could just be a one-on-one challenger next. Right, but the thing I, we've been talking about too off-air over the last few weeks it's, is Orange Cassidy. Yes, yes. Orange Cassidy coming in and be like, you know what, I'll drop this title, whatever. He's got this huge-ass winning streak. You know, it is something fresh for Orange and MJ to do. It would be interesting to see MJ try to get some, not wrestling-wise, because Orange can go in the ring when he wants to. But, I mean, the promo-wise, it'll be just MJ just carrying the entire thing to be able to tell that story. But I'd be actually intrigued to see Orange versus MJF just for the simple fact that Orange could lose on TV. (laughs) (laughs) But would that, would you have that be your main event for... Your main event for the for Wembley Stadium? Oh hell no 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 no! That's not going that far. That would be one of your TV like insert random name over a dynamite shows, or that would possibly be like an extra match going under Forbidden Door with all the other matches happening. You know what I mean? Like I don't think okay it needs to be like on Wembley Stadium or anything like that. I'm I mean not, he's being... I'm not looking that far in advance. I'm saying for the next challenger in the middle right now, kind of like how Ricky I mean, Starks was for MJF at one point. Orange, I think this is it. I mean, Orange Cassidy's being positioned to be a world title challenger, and dare I say, maybe even a world champion. Good lord. <laughs> well, regardless of that fact, there were multiple world former champions in the last matchup that we saw. It was Anarchy in the Arena. It went 27 minutes. It was exactly what we thought it would be. Blackpool Combat Clubs of Brian Anderson, Moxley, Claudio... Wheeler Yuta versus the Elite, Omega, the Bucks, and Hangman Page. So I if, mean, if, if this saw, if hold saw on, it. hold on. If this is the type of thing that you like, then this was probably your favorite match on the card. If you saw the first one, if you like professional wrestling and have a fucking brain, <laughs> then you hated this match. If you, saw I'm sorry, the- but I, I, I don't get why people. Are, and I swear to God, Meltzer's gonna give this five and a half stars. <laughs> I'm waiting for it, and I'm gonna bitch about it when I see it. I'm, I'm so angry at this match for being a thing on my television screen. Like, if you saw Brian the- Danielson looked like a half-ass haggard bum. He looked like a garbage wrestler. Being in this matchup, Claudio. One of the only real athletes in the entire matchup wasn't even in the building most of the match. He ended up in the parking lot in the back of a pickup truck. I just... And swinging people into garbage cans in the concession. There was was thumbtack spots, obviously. Why why not? There was an exploding shoe. I don't even know where that came from. There were people getting... Somebody lost it. Yeah, Matt, was it Matt or Nick? Who cares? You'll you'll never guess this. Moxley blood. (laughs) Fuck it. 
groundbreaking shit right there. There was barbed wire and glass on the back of one of those poker chips on the stage. Oh, that's great, too. You know why? Because those 30 people that were around that chip saw everything. Yeah, but, nobody else. But the 12,000 people <laughs> in the arena when the camera wasn't cut on them didn't see shit. No, they wouldn't have seen anything. Oh, my God. It the also, goddamn live band played for about... Five and a half minutes. <laughs> oh, it was longer than that. And the main singer looked like he was in blackface. <laughs> wearing a mask. He was wearing a mask. Probably Clearly be- we know why because he got he ate a double super kick. No, he was embarrassed to be there. That's why he wore a mask. He didn't want to be associated with this. I just, oh my god. And then ultimately the finish came finally at the very end to Keshka randomly helping the BBC and of course Don Callis because, you know, if you can't beat him, join him I guess scenario. And then ultimately it was Black Gold Convict Club winning, so whatever. Fuck. <laughs> no, Brian Brian Danielson looked like somebody who would be in like the third match of a CZW show nowadays. Um, Wheeler Yuta sticks out like a sore thumb that he just doesn't belong. <laughs> he's he's the, the redheaded stepchild of this fucking. Yeah, it's like he just doesn't be like if you look at them all standing in front side by side, he doesn't belong. Uh-huh. Um. But so it's literally the game of one of these things is not like the other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you saw the first time they did this, you've seen this match already. Yeah. It was exactly the same. It was the same spots you would expect. It was the same bumps you would expect. It was the same blase all over the thing. And again, to the live crowd being there, it's cool. I've been around hardcore wrestling enough times in my lifetime with Death Proof and everything else. But fuck me. It's even overwhelming, though, to watch it on television because, like, the camera will, will focus on something that they, you think you're supposed to focus on, but what they're actually focusing on isn't the interesting thing that's happening. Well, that's also on the producers and the directors in the truck for not being able to switch to the right thing at the right time. There'll be a, oh, a huge bump and something like something happened, and the crowd's reacting to it, and then they'll cut to it after it's already happened. Yeah. Like... It's, that's one of the biggest, hardest things in these type of matches. So, I don't know. Like, fuck, man. I don't know. I was waiting for Punk's music to hit at the end. I'm like, please save us. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because, like, oh, I'm one of the CM Punk guys, like, whatever, against the Elite. No, no. Because I wanted something to actually, like, oh, at the very end, there was this, and they're going to be teasing this going into Forbidden Door or maybe even to Wembley Stadium and, like, giving us something for the future to look forward to. But you know what we got? No. More John Moxley holding his hands open saying, I'm bloody. I fucking kill people. <laughs> Rocky Five. If anyone gets that reference from fucking Jim Hornet. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, like, I've been a fan of Moxley. You were like, one of his biggest supporters I've ever known. And like in a way, I still am. But like he's an example of why a wrestler shouldn't be allowed to do just whatever they want all the time. Like, creative free. I know people like to preach creative freedom with AEW, but, like, sometimes creative freedom, there's a reason why certain people don't have it. Yeah. Well, and I, why certain people shouldn't have it. Well, anyways, that was WCW's double or nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so match of the night, we, we are in agreement. The four-way? The four-way. What was the match of the, the, the whole Sunday? We're not going to say the weekend, because that included night, cha- night champions. We're not including this for the review. So what would you say? I'll Best overall say, match of that Sunday? I'll probably say that last man standing match from NXT. Okay. So yeah, overall, I guess that is our opinions, thoughts, fucking psychiatric help session. 
for AEW Double or Nothing. And it's so long. Like, these, th- like oh, these things. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. From 7 till at least... 11.30? No, it went almost to midnight. No, well, the, the circumstances of how we watched it went almost to midnight. But, like, yeah. it probably went from, like, 8, from, like, 7 o'clock to, like, 11.30. Which is too long. Four hours? That's how long WrestleMania used to be. I mean, this is not a WrestleMania card. I mean, they used to go longer. That's the sad part. Yeah. Sometimes the main event would be starting at 10 after midnight. But, anyways, are you excited after either of these shows for either NXT or AEW as we move forward now uh, into the future? I mean, mildly for AEW because of what, with what we know, with the they have a brand new show coming. There's the rumblings that Punk is finally coming back, so like a good shot of like adrenaline and interesting stuff could get shot back into this company again. Talent, you're looking for the word talent. Yes, coming back. <laughs> a good a good injection of talent could get shot back into this company again. And then they have a new they have a new show coming on Saturday nights where apparently they're gonna. With other talent, well, they're gonna mildly have sh- have split rosters, but like not really, but like they kind of are at the same time. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's interesting. NXT. I. I mean, again, I'd say I'm mildly interested and excited for what's gonna happen with NXT going forward because I feel like there's gonna be a lot of shifts happening around the summertime. Well, there's a lot of stuff happening as well for us here at Schwal Wars too. I'm gonna cut you off there just because we're almost getting desperately out of time, as Tony Schiavone would say. Next week on the program. It's episode 100. I have been waiting so long to be able to say that because there's been so many either breaks that I've had to take in between or a little hiatus that we had uh, late last year and just everything else in between. But we have episode 100 airing next week. A big thank you, by the way, to everyone that's been listening to the podcast over the last couple of years. And even when we were Schwast Out Wrestling Podcast, I thank you. Seriously, from the bottom of my heart. I will obviously get to that more when episode 100 comes out. But this episode coming out for episode 100 next week is going to be one of our special Ask Us Anything episodes. Where, of course, we get to sit down. We have a couple of guests. We're trying to get the original Horseman back as it was in the original. I don't know if that's going to happen, to be honest with you. But we'll see what happens at that time. Where we have guests come in. We have fan-submitted questions. We give our open and honest opinions. It's good debate, good arguments and just a whole lot of fun as well so thank you very much for joining us jordan any final thoughts before we get the fuck out of here no thank god (laughs) till then ladies and gentlemen my name's adam hayes thank you very much we'll catch you on the next one